My message today is entitled, Walking in Freedom. Having something and realizing what you have are two very different things. As we think about the history of this day, 4th of July, most people are brought back 245 years ago to the city of Philadelphia when 56 men bravely signed and adopted the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. At that point, independence was declared. But, it did, but they did not begin to realize that independence until the end of the war in October of 1781 in the city of Yorktown, Virginia, after George Washington forced General Cornwallis to surrender after the siege there. But the Revolutionary War did not officially end until the Treaty of Paris, signed on September 3, 1783. It was at that time that the U.S. began the process of realizing freedom. Yet even though the war ended and the country became independent from Great Britain, the people of the United States did not fully grasp or embrace the underlying meaning of the Declaration until many years after the treaty was signed. On September 22, 1862, in the middle of the United States' divisive civil war, President Abraham Lincoln issued the now famous Emancipation Proclamation, freeing all slaves in rebellious, rebellious states to be freed effective the first of the year, January 1st, 1863. The Emancipation Proclamation served two purposes. First, it was the beginning of the abolition of slavery, releasing all in bondage in the South. Second, it helped to end the Civil War by tipping the balance in the North's favor, as freed slaves not only stopped working in the plantations in the South, but they also joined the North, where many of them enlisted to help fight against the South. And while this went down as probably the single greatest achievement and accomplishment of Lincoln, it was certainly not the first of its kind. To emancipate means to free from, from restraint, control, or bondage. It was for this very reason that Jesus Christ came to us to free us from the bondage of sin. If you are in bondage to sin today, then this message is for you. Jesus Christ came that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Nearly 2,000 years ago in Nazareth, Jesus proclaimed, proclaimed emancipation to begin His earthly ministry, thus fulfilling a long-awaited prophecy from Isaiah. We see this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 16. So He came to Nazareth, speaking of Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Verse 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. You see, Jesus could have found himself in any book of the Bible. 
Actually, there were scrolls back then. But he could have found himself in any one of those books. As surely he found the prophecy of himself in this book. Could you find Jesus in any book of the Bible? If not, then I invite you to read the Bible anew. Expecting to find Jesus in every book of the Bible through prophecies, through types of Christ, like we have been teaching, the Ark of the Covenant or the Mandrakes, through foreshadowings, through analogies. Not only will it open your eyes, it will increase your faith and strengthen your relationship with the Lord and light a fire in your heart to share Jesus with others. In the book of Isaiah, this is what Jesus read. Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, as Jesus was to begin His earthly ministry, this is the section that He read concerning Himself to introduce His mission. And of all the things He did and taught, these were His priorities. Therefore, to get to the foundation of what Jesus still does today, let us look at this promise of His. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In stating this, we first realize that God has endorsed and ordained and given authority for Jesus to do all that He would do. Thus showing God's heart not to just confirm justice and righteousness, but to heal and to restore and to set free. Also, the mention of the Spirit of the Lord denotes that the things that Jesus would do as listed here could be explained in no other way but by the power and grace and perfect love of God. Therefore, when you are truly set free by Christ, you are free indeed. Amen? When you are healed spiritually, it is complete. When you are forgiven, your slate has been wiped clean. This mission of healing and restoring and saving and setting free demonstrates that God is deliberately and purposely coming near to you. Therefore, as you experience any of these blessings, understand that God is not only aware of you and your needs, He is actually pursuing you. This fact alone has the power to break through even the heaviest of self-condemnation and doubts that we may carry. And in effect, God is saying, I know you messed up. I know you are broken. I know you're in doubt. I know you are hurting. I have heard your hearts cry, and I am coming to you. I am pursuing you. Trust me and open your heart to receive me, for I will set you free. That's what God is saying to each and every one of us. You see, if we refuse to forgive ourselves, or if we remain in unforgiveness towards others, thus keeping ourselves in bondage, then we are saying to God, God, You're not enough. Your promise is not strong enough. Your love is not powerful enough. 
your grace is not all-encompassing. Is that really the message that we want to give to God? Then why do we hold on to sin? Why do we hold on to doubt? Why do we hold on to offense and unforgiveness and pain? If this message hits you and convicts you, then it's time to be vulnerable and open to God so that He can heal you once and for all. It is this very message that is reiterated in Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Luke 15, verse 4. Jesus tells this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? There are many who are lost right now. And for a variety of reasons. There are some who have never yet placed their trust in Christ to lead them out of the darkness and into the light of His salvation to forgive them of their sins. Yet there are others who once walked with the Lord in some capacity, but now have found themselves on a compromised path for a variety of reasons. There are some who have thought they could handle a little more on their own based on their own logic or their own desires or their own talents and basically their own pride. However, they have strayed far from the path of wisdom and protection that is promised on God's path. And now this same pride that caused them to wander away now keeps them from admitting that they are lost as they really are. There are some who have been betrayed by others by unfair events in life. And now either the hurt or the anger keeps them lost in the wilderness. And there are others who, through great introspection and consideration of their own weaknesses, feel like constant failures and rejects from society. This is often because they have experienced frequent failure in academic pursuits or the workforce or in social connections. Let me tell you, when you are lost, it doesn't matter how you got there. It only matters if you realize that you are lost and if you truly want to be found. If you don't realize you are lost, you will intentionally keep running further away from God when He is trying to help you. But the great truth about this parable is that the shepherd goes after the one sheep which is lost. He does not stop until he finds it. And he brings it back to the flock. This promise signifies a deliberate and individual pursuit initiated by God on your behalf. He pursues you, each and every one of you, until He finds you. Luke 15, verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Verse 6, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You see, it's not that we find God as though we achieve something on our own, but rather that He intentionally pursues us 
and finds us when we are open to being found. He lays us on His shoulders. This denotes the picture of God's grace where God does something for us that we are unable to do on our own. And He does this even when we don't deserve it. That's amazing grace. In fact, God sent Jesus to die for us and to become a sacrifice for us, not because of anything we did. His actions all originated from His love for us. Why is this important? Because if God initiated His redemption because of His great love for us, even while we were yet sinning, then whether we strayed intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't affect God's desire to extend to help us and to pursue us. It doesn't matter what you have said, what you have done, or even what you have thought. And it doesn't matter how long you've been away. The only thing that matters is if you want to be found. When a soul wants to be found, he or she cries out to God in his or her own way, turning away from self-pursuits and turning towards God. This is repentance. The greatest thing about repentance is that God is just looking, looking for us to turn back to Him. This is where grace comes in. You see, if there were a hundred steps to God, God takes the first step by calling out to us. If we turn and acknowledge our sin or acknowledge our, that we've tried to do this on our own, if we acknowledge that and we take that second step back to Him, towards Him, then God runs the other 98 steps to us. That's His grace. And when He finds us, He doesn't shame us and say, I told you so. He lays us on His shoulders that we may find rest for our souls. And He rejoices. That's what the Bible says. The fact that God longs to rejoice over the sheep who is lost is the overwhelming response that our heart needs to hear because our guilt and our fear or our doubt is usually speaking very loud to us when we are lost. What's it say? I bet you've heard this before because I have. It says to us, you're not worthy to be found. You should know better. You're a Christian. You should know better than what you're doing right now. You've really messed up. There's nothing special about you. You've been cast aside and you are unwanted. That's what our doubt and our sin says to us to keep us from coming to God. To keep us from just turning towards Him in repentance. If you've ever heard these lying words spoken to your mind and your heart, you know how defeating and how deafening they are and how they prevent you from hearing anything else. And thus it keeps you in bondage. But probably the most important and powerful part of this verse is when he says, I have found my sheep. And saying this, God declares that you are His. You belong to Him. 
you are a prized possession that He in all of heaven rejoices over when you are found by Him. Luke 15, verse 7. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of how long you've been away, regardless of where you are right now, the one thing that God needs in order to find you is your heartfelt repentance. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian your whole life, but for some reason you just can't seem to find a breakthrough in one area of your life. Right? You've got those under 99 things secured, but that one area keeps coming up. And so you've just accepted it. Maybe given up hope that you could ever be freed from it. It doesn't matter what bondage you are in or what the bondage is or who you are. God simply needs you to trust Him now. It's like turning on your homing beacon so He can find you. Of course, He knows where you are at all times. But until you realize that you are lost and until you admit that you need a Savior, a Redeemer, a Shepherd to lead you out of your bondage, you will not receive His help when He comes near. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah that Jesus began to read to begin His earthly ministry. Back in Luke 4.18 again. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon Me because He has anointed Me to preach the Gospel to the poor. In claiming this prophecy for Himself, we understand that these are the very words God delivered from His heavenly throne directly to a heart that has been opened to receive it. The Gospel, otherwise translated as good tidings or good news, is preached to the poor, meaning the poor in spirit, the broken, the humble, those who are open to God, the ones who realize that they need a Savior. By this we understand one of the greatest mysteries in life. Why do unfair things happen to me? Have you ever thought that or said that? You would be normal. It's because of the deteriorated fabric of our world due to sin we are unable to even hear the Gospel until we are broken. Until we are humble and lost and poor in spirit. There is no need for a Savior for those who think that they have no problems. But for those who have been open to the conviction of our own thoughts, motivations, and words and deeds, and now we find ourselves miserably lost, they are now put in a place to hear and receive and respond to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus read, because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me. Let's stop there and understand the intentional purpose of God sending Jesus into the world. He did not just stand on a mountaintop and announce it to the whole world. God sent Jesus with a purpose because He knows exactly where each of us are. 
He knows exactly what each one of us needs. He has sent Jesus to go to the depth of your need. To the point of your broken heart. To the middle of your confusion. And to the exact spot where you are surrounded by fear and confusion and doubt or anger or despair. God has sent Jesus directly to each and every one of you. In fact, that is why you are receiving this very message right now. It's because God initiated it. And He sees His purpose through. Even if you've already, already responded to His invitation for salvation, God continues to bring healing to you in every area of your life as long as you stay open to Him. And as many of you know, some things in our lives take a long time to shake free that we may receive our healing. This message of hope and rescue is still being sent out today for those who have become separated from the flock. In fact, the sad narrative of today is that many were jolted from the path by difficulties with other Christians. And now out of anger or apathy, they find themselves distant from their Good Shepherd, from God Himself. How does this happen? Sometimes Christians are separated, separated by others in the flock because they have mistakenly begin to pay more attention to the flock than to the Good Shepherd. When they desire nurturing and acceptance and affirmation, they often turn more to others than to God Himself. In doing so, they make themselves vulnerable I open themselves up to rejection and offense. It's a place that many find themselves because of something called transference. Because God is unseen and we follow Him by faith, our human and our natural senses tell us that it's easier to follow something and someone that we can see. So when we find a fellow Christian who seems to exemplify some of the qualities of God, we transfer many of the expectations we have of God onto this human person. Thus, we open ourselves up to be let down and hurt. And there are times when all of us either wander or else we are tempted to wander off the path. It doesn't matter how we become separated. It only matters if we choose to come back, choose to repent, and call out to God, our Heavenly Father. For when we call out to Him, he comes and He pursues us and He finds us if we are willing to be found. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yet there are times when we've been separated that we think we're okay on our own. That Jesus can just leave us here individually in the wild. That Jesus can just guide us from where we are at. This is often the case when wounded people find themselves separated from the pack, unchurched, often disillusioned, and thinking that they can never trust the body of Christ again to become part of a fellowship. Yet a central focus of Jesus' mission is to heal the brokenhearted, to bring wholeness of mind and spirit and to restore all that is lost, beginning with the relationship with God and others in the body of Christ. 
Verse 18, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Unfortunately, many look at the work of Jesus as individual miracles or things that He has done in the past without realizing that He has a full-time job even today to proclaim liberty to the captives. And while He indeed sets souls free, the first and most challenging thing He has to do is to proclaim liberty and convince people that they are no longer in bondage. The best way I could explain this is by thinking back to the time when I was a child. My brothers and I used to go up to the, the, the blossoms and the bushes in the spring and we'd catch bees in jars. You ever done that before? Got to poke holes in the jars so the bees don't die. We'd go up and we'd catch these bees in the jars. We'd watch them in the jars. They'd buzz around. We'd watch them. We'd study them. They buzzed around frantically trying to get out. And then they eventually settled down and just sat at the bottom of the jar with a few leaves and blossoms. At this point, when it was clear that there was no fight left in the bees, we decided to release them. So we'd carefully unscrew the lid, and then run away really fast, not trying to get stung. Did you ever do that? Was I the only one that ever, ever did that? <laughs> well, we'd run away and hoping the bees would come out, and what happened was the bees would not come out. They had searched, they had tried so frantically so, so far to, to try to get out of the jar, they realized it was hopeless, and they stayed there. Even though their release had been secured, they wouldn't leave the jar. They lost their buzz. They became sluggish. They just sat there. Even though there was a way for them to get out, they couldn't see it. They had been in bondage long enough to shatter their hope to the point that they didn't even realize that they were set free. We had to proclaim emancipation to them by shaking the jar. To wake them up to the reality that freedom was here. Does that sound familiar? Before anyone comes to the Lord and receives salvation, we all are in bondage to sin and guilt and shame and a host of other captors. And even though Jesus gave His life for the sins of the world, offering forgiveness to all who would call upon His name, there still are many that do not realize that they have been emancipated. If they would only turn to Him and leave the jar of bondage. And so after having proclaimed liberty, Jesus now does whatever it takes to set at liberty those who are oppressed by shame, fear, doubt, anger, hurt, or pain. And just like that bee, He may have to shake everything in your life until you realize that your freedom is here. In the name of Jesus Christ. In whatever area you need a release, no matter what area has you in bondage, right now, Jesus is here. Don't automatically think that the world is, is causing the shaking in your life. Don't assume it's another person that's holding you in bondage. Jesus just may be the one shaking that jar of bondage that you have been in 
to get you to arise in His power and His grace to be set free. Luke 4, verse 20. Then He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on Him. Verse 21. And He began to say to them, Today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If Jesus has spoken to you in any way through this message, then understand that your emancipation awaits. And today, this Scripture is fulfilled once again in your hearing. Heavenly Father, we come to You. We are broken. We are lost. There are times when we take too much of this life on our own instead of giving it to You. Lord God, for the things that we've held unforgiveness, for the ways that we have been hurt, for the times that we've thought You've healed those 99 things for this one thing and I'm just going to have to deal with this my whole life. Lord God, forgive us for not putting our complete trust in You. For whatever any of us are facing, whatever mountain is before us right now, though the enemy speaks doubt and condemnation to us, forgive us for not trusting You, our Good Shepherd. We thank You that that promise to heal and to forgive and to restore and to set free has been secured already at the cross. Help us to know this truth and to walk in this truth. Help us to walk in our freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.